In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. God willing, today we're going to start a series um, speaking about some of the lessons uh, of the life of Samuel the prophet, and maybe uh, we might do other uh, figures from the Bible in the future. Um, but Samuel is one of the characters that we read about in the Old Testament uh, in the books of First and Second Samuel, and he is um, he's, uh, like really a great example of someone who is a servant of God, um, and someone who experiences various hardships, um, and we can learn to see how, you know, how he dealt with them, and and what lessons we can learn from him. So, there's there's nine uh, lessons specifically that I want to speak about in this series. The first one is listening to God's calling. The second is speaking the unpleasant truth. Third is considering other sins as his own. Four is trusting in God more than man. Five praying for those that reject us. Six wisdom and authority come from God alone. Seven, give God what he wants, not what we think will please him. Eight, handling disappointments and unmet expectations. And then finally, number nine, focusing um, on the outward appearance. So just a little bit of background about him. Um, so he was born to Elkanah, is his father, and Hannah is his mother. Um, his mother, Hannah, was barren, uh, and she prayed to God and asked that he would give her a son, and that if he would give her a son, she would dedicate him to service in the temple. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. God granted her a son, and after she had weaned him, uh, he gave her to the temple under the care of Eli the priest, who was the high priest at the time, and um, he, he lived w with him uh, in the temple, and they um, the, like that was his service. Um, uh, Eli, uh, the priest, he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were also priests, but they were corrupt, um, and they were wicked. And so that's some background um, for us, like going into the story, so we can kind of have an idea of you know what what we're going to read. So the first lesson we learn from him is how to listen to God's calling, and I'll read a little bit about in the story, so we can have some uh, background about this. So it says, "Now the boy Samuel, so he was still a boy, um, ministered to the Lord before Eli." I remember Eli is the high priest, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down at his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you did call me. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Um, so here in the story when Samuel was still a young boy um, was the first time that he heard the voice of God. And God called out to him by name and said, Samuel. But Samuel, because he didn't know that this was God speaking to him, he thought it was Eli that was calling out to him. So each time he would go to Eli and saying, what do you need? Um, you called me. And Eli said, no, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. Until finally, Eli perceived that God was the one speaking to Samuel. And so he uh, told him the next time that God calls to you, uh, say, speak for your servant hears. Okay, so and it said here <coughs> that's uh, 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 that Samuel had not yet known the word of the Lord, meaning 
um, Samuel could not yet perceive that this was God speaking to him. Okay? So what do we learn from this? The first thing we learn is that Samuel was very quick to respond to the Lord's calling. Uh, when he heard the voice of God, he immediately got up from his place and he, and he responded to God. Maybe we find ourselves that God is convicting us of something or, or, or trying to bring something to our attention, whether it be something in our lifestyle or a decision that he wants us to make. Maybe something that we're not very um, excited to do or to, 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 to undertake, but we know that we should. Um, and, and we find ourselves being very slow to respond to God. Um, maybe God is calling us to have like a deeper prayer life or is calling us to come to church more or is calling us to forgive someone that we're in enmity with or he's calling us to put away a certain sin that we are um, that we are doing. And we know that this is the voice of God telling us to do these things and that we are convicted. Um, but we are very hesitant and slow to do them because we don't want to do them, right? We don't want to do them. We see another example of this um, with Abraham. Uh, Abraham, when he was living in, in his own land, Ur of the Chaldeans, um, it says, now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, right? So he told him to leave, leave the place that you are, and I'm going to take you to a completely new place that you've never been. Uh, none of your family is there, completely separate, thousands of miles away from where you were before. And it says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken. Right, God called him and he answered. Like, and he answered immediately. It's one thing we see about Abraham, is he answers immediately and without questioning. Like, he didn't say, uh, "Where are you taking me? Why am I going there? What's going to happen to me there? How will I be taken care of there?" All the many questions that maybe uh, we ask ourselves if we're going to move just to another zip code. Um, here, he's moving completely across the world uh, to another place, and there's again no support for him there. Um, simply because God told him to go. God did not even explain to him why. Why are you, why are you taking me? Um, we also see the same thing whenever uh, God commanded him to uh, offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. He said, now, uh, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him there as a burnt offering. Right. So God is, is telling Abraham to take his son. Now, Isaac is the son that he had received by the promise of God. Right, so Abraham had waited for a long time for the son, and finally he received the son. And now his son had grown older. He's now about the age of 14. Um, and he believed, Abraham believed that this son was given to him by God and that he was the promised son, that he was going to be his descendant, that is going to uh, fulfill the covenant that God had given him, that he ultimately would have descendants that are more numerous than the sand of the seashore and the stars of the sky. Um, and so it made sense now that he had his son Isaac that all of this promise is fulfilled in Isaac. And Isaac also was born uh, miraculously um, because uh, Sarah, Abraham's wife, also she was barren and she was old and there was no way for her to conceive. And yet God allowed her to conceive and to have his the son Isaac. So Isaac was very, very precious and unique um, in the eyes of Abraham. So the idea now that God is telling Isaac, uh, I want you to go and to sacrifice your son is just nonsense. This doesn't make any sense. Why would God ask me to do this? Um, like, if you look back at the history, it's like, God, don't you know, like, you brought Isaac to me, like, all the things that had happened, like, do you forget? Like, well, it doesn't make any sense at all why God would ask um, Abraham to, to do this. And yet, again, as before, 
um, we, we don't see Abraham questioning uh, God. We don't see him saying, like, why are you not, wh wh like, wh why are you asking me to do this? It doesn't make any sense. Maybe I don't understand. Like, none of that. We see it says what? So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So he, not only did he arise, but he arose early in the morning. Like, he arose with keenness. He arose with, like, in, like energy. He was energetic to go and do the thing that God had called him to do, even though he had no explanation as to why God is doing this. And of course, this isn't something he desired. He didn't want to, s to sacrifice his son. His son was very precious to him, and it didn't make any sense uh, at all why God is, is, is doing this, right? But yet again, we see that he is listening to God's calling. God called him. He was sure that God was telling him to do this, and so he, he did it. So we can ask ourselves, for the things that we know that God is calling us for, the things that we know that it is God's will, do we delay um, or ignore when we hear God speaking? Do we try to put it off to tomorrow or the next day? Do we find that it's too difficult or unpleasant for us? Um, maybe when we're listening to a sermon and we hear maybe something that God could be speaking to me, um, maybe I, I direct these words to someone else and I say, oh, this other person needs to hear this. Um, but me, myself, I'm not really paying attention. Also, do we misunderstand who is really speaking? You know, sometimes we hear different things through different people, um, and we don't attribute it to God. Instead, we attribute it to that person, okay? Oh, that person doesn't really know what they're talking about. Well, maybe it's God speaking to me. It's God speaking to me through that person. Just as in the case of Samuel, uh, when, when God was speaking, at first Samuel thought it was Eli that was speaking, right? And he misunderstood who was speaking. But after some time, after the repetition of the message again and again and again, he realized that it was God actually who was speaking. And, and sometimes God, in order to get our attention, in order for him to um, cause us to be aware, he repeats the same message many times. Just in the case here with uh, Samuel, he called him actually four times before he got his attention. Um, and finally, when he got his attention, then Samuel listened. Okay, so um, it's important for us to pay attention to God. Um, it says, at the time Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Meaning, maybe uh, when we first ha don't have experience with God, we don't know the way that he works, the way that he operates. Um, and so uh, the way he deals with us maybe is confusing, or maybe it's easy for us to misunderstand or to not recognize the voice of God. Um, and we see this even in, the, in other servants in the scripture, like Moses, for instance, when God first reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush, and he tells Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to speak to Pharaoh, and I want you to do this. Um, Moses, uh, at the beginning, didn't understand, like, how is it that I'm going to do this? How is it you're calling me to go and speak to Pharaoh? But after some time of uh, trying to get out of it, he realized there was no way he could get out of it. And then he went, and then he saw the way that God um, operated. Jeremiah also, he was actually called, while he was still in the womb, to be a prophet. Um, so the, 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 the importance of listening to God is, is something that is very important for our, for our spiritual life. Also, the, the listening should be persistent, right? Maybe, again, we miss it once, and we miss it twice, uh, but we keep listening until we eventually hear um, the, the voice of God. We shouldn't be quick to dismiss it, um, but, but pray. Whenever we think maybe God is, is, is calling me for something or trying to convince me, we pray. We ask God, is this what you are calling me for? 
Um, and Samuel saw himself as a sermon, servant, so he was receptive to the word of God. He, he, to him, the, 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 whatever God was, was, was doing was important. I mean, he had already, pretty much, he was, he was committed and dedicated to the temple. So everything about his life was oriented around God. And he was listening to God, actually, even before this day. You know, even though he had never heard the voice of God clearly like he did, and he was not yet a prophet, um, he was still serving God in whatever way, whatever capacity that he had. And because he was faithful in what he was doing, God called him to have a deeper knowledge of himself. Right? Samuel was still in the temple. Samuel, Samuel was serving God in the temple and doing all these things without any miracles, without there being anything um, that, that was, you know, maybe unique in his life. Um, but until this day, until God saw him as being faithful, as being someone who cared about him, and then that's why he, 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 he gave him more. Uh, maybe one of the reasons that we struggle to hear the voice of God is because the things that we already know that God is calling us to do, we're not doing it. You know, for instance, there are certain things, like maybe certain decisions uh, in my life, that I want to know what is it that I should do, how to deal with certain problems maybe that I have. And maybe we pray and we ask God, God, reveal your will to me. What is it that you want me to do? And, uh, and I feel like I, I don't hear anything back, right? So we can ask ourselves, like, well, what about the things that we already know? Like, if you read in the Bible, it tells us many things of how God wants us to live, for instance. Do we live according to these things? I mean, we know for sure that God wants us to live a certain way. Do we live according to this way? Like, of the things that we already know to be true, are we carrying them out? Or are only seeking the knowledge for something else and ignoring the things that we already know? Samuel was already living a life with God and then he was so he was very receptive to God and then God spoke to him and then this continued and so he became uh, he, he became the prophet um, so the second thing we learn from his life is speaking the unpleasant truth and one of the things that the prophets had to do um, is speak whatever it is that God said and, and a lot of the things that God said was not popular um, things that people didn't want to hear and things that made the prophet um, not not the, the most undesirable person. Um, and sometimes the prophets would be persecuted by the people because they were speaking things that the people didn't want to hear. So what is it that God said to Samuel whenever he called him? So he told him, In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So what is it? Because as we said, the sons of Eli, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, they were wicked priests. They were the sons of Eli. And Eli did not do enough to restrain them, to correct them, to rebuke them, to stop them from whatever it is that they were doing. And so... Um, God judged Eli, and he said, you are responsible for, as the high priest and as the father of these sons of yours, to stop them from what they are doing and to take action against them, okay? But you didn't. And so, because you didn't, I am going to judge you and judge your house, okay? This was the message that God spoke to Samuel. Now, again, at this point, Samuel is a child, Right, And God is speaking this to him as a child. Um, and Eli understands 
that if God is going to speak to Samuel, who is a child living in the temple with him, that there's going to be something significant. You know, Eli can ask the question, well, why didn't God speak to me? Like, like I'm the high priest. You know, why didn't God come and speak to me if there's something important that I need to know? So, so Eli is going to realize and feel like there's something. There's something here that maybe is um, not favorable toward him, which is why God would go to this young boy, Samuel, and speak to him instead. So it says, Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. So you can imagine how a young boy would feel speaking to this high priest, uh, telling him, God has rejected you. God is going to judge you and your family because of this and this. It, it would be frightening, something frightening for somebody to say. Um, and maybe we find ourselves trying to avoid speaking uh, things that might cause offense to people for far less um, than this. And and for far for far less in terms of like the... The, the power disparity between Eli and and Samuel, um, maybe we don't even want to tell our friends things that um, would be unpleasant or things that we'd be afraid that they might be offended, even if it's something that we know um, that they need. So Samuel spoke honestly to Eli, the words that God s spoke to him, um, and the words he told him to speak. And so he spoke with honesty. Um, he told him everything that was said without hiding anything. He, he said it without interpretation and without judgment, meaning um, Samuel was not there to judge Eli for what it is that he did or for what God was doing to him. He just simply spoke, this is what God said, right? He didn't try to rebuke him. He didn't try to tell him, like, you're an evil man or you shouldn't have done this or, or, or add any embellishment to anything that was said. He just said, this is what God said. Um, also, without fear, right? Like, without fear of punishment. Maybe the reason that we sometimes don't speak the truth, especially to those people who have power and authority over us, uh, is because we're afraid of what might happen to us. But in this case, God told Samuel this so that he could speak the truth. He could tell Eli exactly this. Um, and so Samuel did not shy away. He, he spoke uh, openly, uh, whatever it is that God said. Another example of this is a prophet whose name was Micaiah. This prophet Micaiah, he was an honest prophet. And he was, he was a sincere prophet. Uh, but the king, uh, King Ahab, whenever it would be time for him to make a decision, uh, he would avoid speaking to Micaiah because he didn't like what he had to say. He had many other false prophets that he would go to, and he would ask them um, for counsel. He would get counsel from them because they would tell him what he wanted to hear. Uh, and so he would avoid speaking to Micaiah. It says, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Right? He's, he hated him because he spoke the truth. And again, speaking the truth in, in our society uh, is not something that is praised. Right? People would rather be deceived. People would rather be lied to. People would rather just be told whatever they want to hear to feel good about themselves and the situation instead of being told the truth, right? Being, being like speaking the truth now is like, uh, it's not something very common. Uh, and, 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 and one of the ways that people deceive is not just through misinformation, but through flattery or through 
um, the manipulation of words to try to um, change the meaning of things uh, in a way to where they can claim that they're saying the truth, but they're saying it in a way that can be easily uh, misinterpreted. But this prophet, Micaiah, didn't have this problem. Um, we're often placed in similar situations where we are called to, ta to say the truth, um, but maybe we know that if we do say the truth, there'll be some consequence on us. Um, maybe we won't be considered team players. Actually, I just recently watched this video about this man who, this guy who has this YouTube channel, and he, he's very involved in aerospace. And um, he was called to give a talk to um, some like high up people in NASA who were gonna be there. And so there's this, uh, there's this NASA mission that they're working on for returning to the moon, like, like a man-based a man, um, mission for returning to the moon. And there are some very controversial things about this mission. And there's a lot of people who uh, are afraid to speak about um, the mission or, or some of these controversial things about it because they know that if they do, um, then they might get kicked off the project or um, they might get some kind of consequence. And so this man uh, was speaking like on his channel and he was sp saying, um, you know, I wanted to talk about this because it's something very important. Um, and but uh, but I know that if I do, there's going to be a lot of people that are upset. But he decided to do it anyway. And so you can watch like the, the video of him pretty much uh, calling out and rebuking uh, the people who made some choices um, in this mission and how it doesn't make any sense. And he did so respectfully um, but but he wasn't afraid um, to do so Where, whereas there were many people there in the audience who shared his views but had been afraid to speak up uh, about it for a long time because uh, of possible retribution that would happen so um, again like how often do we do we value the truth and speaking the truth um, versus just trying to um, hide for whatever other reason we see Samuel didn't do that actually the whole reason that God even spoke to Samuel was because he wanted Eli to know the truth and he wanted Samuel to be because he's now going to become the prophet so he wants him to take this role of prophet of being the one to declare um, the word of God another thing that we learn from Samuel is that he considers other sins to be his own um, when 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 the people are sinning against God and he is praying and interceding on their behalf and he's praying for them, he considers that he is um, also a sinner. Like he, he's not just blaming the people and saying these people are sinners and they deserve such punishment. Um, he's considering himself to be among them. Uh, it says, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel. So this is now when he's older. Uh, saying, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the bows and the Ashtoreths and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel um, at Mizpah. So, um, when 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 Samuel is is always praying to God, um, he he's saying he's considering himself to be one of them. He said, "We have sinned against the Lord," right? And he is one of them who is who is who who, who considers himself also um, to be a sinner. It's easy for us to blame other people who fall into various mistakes and sins. Um, without considering our own sin. Uh, and maybe one of the, the problems that we have in our culture is everyone is so easy to blame everyone else for everything. 
you know, the moment that someone fails, makes a mistake, there's some kind of scandal, um, everyone else around them all of a sudden is like acting as though they are the saintly people that have never had any scandal, have never made any mistakes, have never done anything wrong, and they just want to call out this person because they are like, you know, like the immoral person, whereas everyone else is very moral. Of course, we know that everyone suffers from the same things and everyone has the same scandals and everyone has the same uh, lies and like, for instance, in politics. Um, so so the, the idea that, that a person is being called out in this way and being pointed out as being somehow they're worse than anyone else is, is, is wrong. Um, the reason that God calls us to forgive one another is because we are we are not worthy of forgiveness ourselves. You know, he, he, when he says to, you know, if you're going to judge someone, he says, first remove the plank in your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Meaning maybe my sin is actually worse sin. Maybe my sin is actually worse than the sin of my, of my brother. Um, and yet I focus so much on the speck in my brother's eye that I ignore the plank in my own eye. So definitely... Um, we, we, when we look at ourselves, we shouldn't look at ourselves and our righteous acts um, and, and, and think, you know what, um, I, am, I am more righteous than another person. Sometimes some people's sins are visible and other people's sins are hidden. Meaning, maybe a person who falls into a kind of a scandal, um, it becomes a public thing and their sin becomes known uh, because the nature of the sin was public. The nature of the sin is something that became known. But maybe I have sins that God has covered, that God has not exposed, that God has not revealed, right? And maybe these sins are even worse than the sins of others that have been, have been exposed. But it's very easy for us to jump on the bandwagon blaming people who, ha whose sins have been exposed, when actually if I were exposed, if, if everyone knew my thoughts and my actions that I do in private, right, what would people say about me, right? Maybe I would become the scandal. And I am not worthy of God's mercy or forgiveness, right? But God grants it to us um, anyway. Samuel acted as though he were to blame along with all the people, right? So we also should not be quick to blame and judge others. And there's in many ways, um, in many ways that we can look at this. So for instance, in anger, I wouldn't lose my temper if my coworkers were easier to get along with or if my kids behaved better or if my spouse were more considerate. Maybe we blame other people for our own failure, right? Like if I'm quick to lose my temper, I blame the people that um, make me lose my temper, right? I consider it that way. Like they make me lose my temper. It is their fault. It is not my fault. It, it's the fault of someone else. Um, it's easy for us to, to point fingers at others, right? Instead of saying, you know what? This was my fault. I am, I am the sinner. Or in impatience, um, maybe I would say I would be a very patient person if it weren't for traffic jams and long lines at the grocery store, if I didn't have so many things to do, and if the people around me weren't so slow, I would never become impatient. But again, the whole purpose of patience is that we are patient in the midst of things that, that try our patience, and in the midst of things that are um, difficult to be patient in. That's what it actually means to be patient. Um, again, I can't blame the things around me for making me impatient. I'm called to be patient despite those things. Uh, lust, I would have a pure mind if there weren't so many sensual images in our culture. It's true that there are many sensual images. It's true that there are many things that might provoke a person to experience lust. But again, am I blaming someone else or something else for my own sin? Uh, what is, I can ask myself, what is it that I can change in myself um, in order to avoid maybe these images more? Uh, anxiety, I wouldn't worry about the future if my life were just a little more secure, if I had more money and no health problems, right? What is, what is the source of my anxiety? It's easy for us when we're experiencing anxiety to blame the situation, 
that we are struggling in because that's the situation that's causing my anxiety. But if my relationship with God were stronger, if I had a better prayer life, if I trusted in God more, maybe that I would feel more secure and more peace and I wouldn't fall into as much anxiety. Maybe it would help me to, to overcome this feeling of anxiety better. Maybe there are some things that I am doing to help provoke the anxiety that uh, I am experiencing. Spiritual apathy. My spiritual life would be so much more vibrant and I would struggle with sin less if my friends were more encouraging or if Sunday school were more engaging or if my church were more lively or if the sermons were better, right? Like I'm saying, you know, it is the, it is the goal of someone else in order to strengthen my spiritual life. Because uh, the people around me did not encourage me to pray, because the people around me did not help me to, um, to grow closer to God in whatever way, then I blame them. Or maybe people who blame their parents, you didn't raise me right. If you had given me more opportunities, if you had taught me the value of these spiritual things, if you had taught me this, if you put me in Sunday school from a younger age, if you had done this and that, right, then I would be in a better place today. Well, maybe so. But I can't live my life blaming someone else. I can say what is the, what is within my hand to do right now. Um, insubordination. If my parents or bosses or elders were godly leaders, then I would joyfully follow them. Like when we are called to be obedient, right? I can follow, but only if you're good. I can follow only if you make sense. I can follow only if you do things that I like. But the moment you are asking me to do things that I don't like or I disagree with, then no, uh, I'm, I'm, I feel justified maybe in not being submissive um, or obedient. Or if I have a critical spirit, uh, it's not my fault that the people around me are ignorant and inexperienced, right? We, we become angry at other people. We feel like we're better than other people. We feel like the people around us are, are ignorant, that they don't know uh, what is it that they should be doing. And I develop the critical spirit and I look at them as being to blame. You know, if only you were better educated, if only you um, were wiser, smarter, um, whatever it is, more knowledgeable, then I wouldn't have to go around correcting you all the time, right? We blame it on them. Uh, bitterness. If you knew what the person did to me, you would understand my bitterness. How could I forgive something like that? Sometimes we give each other, uh, we give ourselves an excuse to remain bitter, to remain unforgiving because of the nature of what was done to us. Um, and, and we say, you know, what's done to me is of such a nature that it, it, it exempts me from forgiving it makes me feel justified in remaining angry and hateful um, toward another person again that's not considering another person's sins as my own that's not considering that i myself am a sinner that maybe have brought sadness and bitterness to another person's life uh, gluttony my wife husband roommate friend is a wonderful cook the things they make me are impossible to resist like am i so surrounded by tasty food and that's the problem the problem is is that my friends keep inviting me out to eat, and I can't, I can't resist it. Somebody, there's something outside of me that is causing this. Or gossip. It's the people around me who start the conversations. There's no way to avoid hearing what others happen to say. And when others ask me questions, I can't avoid sharing what I know. Again, is it the fault of someone else? Um, instead of saying, you know, I have decided that I don't want to speak badly about others. Instead, I place the blame on other people and say, they're the ones who compel me to do that. Self-pity. I'll never be happy because my marriage or family or job is so difficult. We look at our lives and we say, we, we pity ourselves and we, we say, um, all of this is the fault of something outside of me and there is nothing at all that I can do to improve the situation. Or selfishness. I would be more generous if I had more money. 
Um, God didn't give me the money, so I can't tithe. I can't give to others. I can't be charitable. I can't share what I have because I feel like what I have um, is so is so little. So instead, right, like Samuel, um, we should not just to take responsibility for our own sins, but we should help one another and help each other to grow and encourage each other to avoid these kinds of sins. Um, in Galatians 6.1, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So there's two sides of it. One side is we have to be careful lest we be tempted. And the second is it's our responsibility to help to restore one another um, who fall into sin. And this is exactly what we see that Samuel did. Samuel was a righteous man and he was a good prophet and he always followed God in every way. Um, but he was always called to lead people who were sinners, to lead people who resisted God, to lead people who uh, worshipped idols, who did the things that they weren't supposed to do. And he didn't just look at himself and say, you know what, I'm better than all of you. Why did God give me this responsibility to deal with all of you? Um, but instead, he was very patient and he, he saw himself as a shepherd and someone who was there for the salvation of the people. So um, it's another uh, the third lesson that we learn in the life of Samuel. That's a good stopping point for today. Um, does anyone have any questions, comments? Okay, we can pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We ask you to help us learn important lessons that we can from the life of Samuel the prophet. Help us to learn from him, O Lord, uh, how is it that we should live and have good relationships with one another, how we should hear your voice calling to us, how we should speak the truth, O Lord, even when it is uncomfortable, how is it that we should consider other people's sins that are, uh, as our own and not blame other people for our own sins. Grant us, O Lord, to be thankful at all times and to see every good thing that you offer us and to be filled with the spirit of giving and joy. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace, the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.